Welcome to episode 21 of After the Breach, a podcast for whale enthusiasts. We're your hosts, professional whale watching captains and guides from the San Juan Islands in Washington State, Jeff Friedman and Sarah Shimazu. We have a special episode today because we've taken the show on the road. While we normally record from Friday Harbor on San Juan Island, today we are in Bremer Bay, Western Australia, the other WA. We're spending the month of January with a special population of killer whales and are excited to share some information about them and stories from our encounters so far. Uh, This is actually Sarah's fourth visit to Bremer Bay, my second visit, and joining us on our podcast and her very first visit to Bremer Bay is April Ryan. April is a fellow captain and marine naturalist with us at Maya's Legacy Whale Watching. She also joined us on After the Breach in episode eight to talk about the minke whale hunt. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about the Bremer Bay killer whales, so let's jump right in. Ahoy, Sarah. Ahoy, April. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sarah. So, Hi, April. <laughs> so let's let's jump in, and before we start talking about the whales, let's talk about where like where we are. Where is Bremer Bay? There may be people that want to come see these whales. So I've mentioned this in the last episode, this great online tool um, to see where Bremer Bay is. Uh, called, <laughs> oh, Lord, go, Jeff. Go, Google Maps, and we'll, we'll post a, a link. But uh, Sarah, tell us, where where are we? Uh, well, we're, we're in Bremer Bay, as you said. Bremer Bay is in Western Australia, and we're actually on the south coast of Western Australia. So if you look it up um, on a map... Bremer Bay is almost midway between Albany and Esperance, well, a little bit further west uh, than midway. Um, but yeah, on the south coast here in the state of Western Australia, and it's quite a ways from Perth. It's about a six-hour drive, six to eight-hour drive, depending on how you drive. Yeah, and so it's, it's well, and Perth is not easy to get to. I mean, it's, it's far. It's a real, this is very remote. If you want to come see these whales, uh, which it's worth it for sure, and we'll get into why. But this is this is a long way to come, and then Bre- and Bremer Bay is only it's a very small. It's a town. small town, yeah, yeah, very small. I mean, it makes Friday Harbor seem big because Bremer Bay is only a few hundred people uh, population wise, and then uh, the whales are not seen from shore. Uh, the whales that yeah, we're looking very at very different than than what we're used to back home. Yes, uh, these are offshore. Uh, whales that are seen far offshore, about 24, 25 nautical miles offshore. Uh, off the continental shelf, there is a canyon system where these killer whales are seen like basically December through April. Yeah, yeah, during the Austral summer. Yeah, and Sarah, you've, you've spent, uh, you know, this is, you were here all last uh, last January and you're here all of this January. You know quite a bit about these whales, so give us give us a little background about this population. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I know I know a bit about these whales. Definitely, I'm not the expert on them, but happy to share what I do know. So, Bremer Canyon uh, is part of a canyon system that, as Jeff you mentioned, kind of lies on the continental shelf. So, where the shelf drops off basically into the Southern Ocean. Uh, so we're going from you know roughly like 250 meters of water, so about 600 feet deep down into i think the canyon itself drops down into like 3500 or 30 i'm sorry 3.5 kilometers deep so you know deep. over over four four thousand feet um which for perspective almost twice as deep as the grand canyon yeah it's it this is some very deep water in these canyons yeah, and it's not the only canyon out here. There's canyons kind of along the continental shelf where this deep water um, is coming up into or onto the shelf and kind of transecting this continental shelf and creates these really like key areas where this cold, nutrient-rich water at the bottom um, is flowing upwards uh, into more shallow water and you know feeding phytoplankton and zooplankton and, and small fish going into bigger fish and then, of course, up to our apex predators, the killer whales. So yeah, the canyon system, they're working along with three different currents that are really kind of playing a huge part in that and moving all of that nutrient rich water up up, uh, and attracting the prey for our killer whales down here in Bremer Bay. Well, and there's a lot out there. It's not just killer whales, Uh, pilot whales, false killer whales, sperm whales, lots of different fish species, sharks. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a, a pretty biodiverse dolphins 
uh, very, very, a lot of diversity in animals out there. Yeah, I think just in the first, what, week that you guys have been out on the water here, we've seen, what, pilot whales, false killer whales. Common dolphins uh, pretty much every day. Yeah, it's been amazing. Fairy penguins. And, yeah, and the Australian sea lions, including a brand new pup out there. And all the albatrosses. Yes. Those have been great. Incredible. Different species of albatross, uh, shearwaters. Petrels. Storm petrels, yeah. Just a really cool area. It is some big water out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not like the inland waters of, of Washington State and British Columbia that we're used to. Uh, you know, out here it, it is, it can, it, like the glassy day out here is like our days that are borderline for us even going out at home. <laughs> we do, they, there are glassy days down here. I've had a couple, but it's really interesting because back home, and you both know this, uh, those glassy days are the ones we long for because it's like easy right to be out on the water but we still have just as good a chance of finding killer whales as any other day maybe even better because we can see further um and out here those calm glassy days it's hard sometimes it's hard to find the whales and we've been lucky this time even with our kind of calmer days we've found the whales really quickly every single day but there's days where they don't find them when it's calm or when it takes hours to find them that's what I've, i've heard from the crew down here not just this time, but also the last time I was down here is they don't like the calm days because you're less likely to find the killer whales in, in, in the canyons. I'm not sure exactly why that is. Are there any, any theories? What, what might be behind that? There's probably a lot of theories and, and you know, everything I say is just like anecdotal to what I've learned from, from the crew and huge shout out to naturally charters. We'll talk about them throughout the episode but their crew down here is just amazing they've been out here the longest and know a ton about what's going on out there in the canyons about all the different species the whales themselves so they really have an amazing crew out here teaching people about not just the whales but the area itself so you know they're they're observations as well as my own over the four times I've been here now I I really do think because these whales are primarily feeding on beaked whales and when those calm days are happening uh it they're much easier to hear like those beaked whales are can hear the killer whales and so it's harder to be you know sneaking up on your prey so i think that potentially is what's happening on those calmer days it's a lot harder to be inconspicuous well and that's that's what i've heard from the crew is that that the killer whales want that louder sound of the the current and the waves to mask their own sound profile so that they can use some stealth when they're looking for beaked whales and as we've seen it looks like a lot of fun to be riding those swells too yeah and we'll we will get to that in a second for the, for the whales for the whales yeah definitely not not as much fun for us but definitely for the whales and i i just want to put a highlight on um they are feeding mostly on beaked whales but they do have a really diverse diet here possibly one of the more diverse diets in terms of killer whales on earth because we have seen several predations of beaked whales so far just in in a week but we did see one day uh they were they were pounding on on tuna yeah and i think last time you were here jeff not that they're feeding on uh, the mola, mola mola, the sunfish, but you saw one get a big get bite taken out of it and they do kind of harass them a bit out here. We've seen it on several different occasions. So, um, yeah, they're pretty diverse. And I know we talked about this population, uh, I think in episode six, Ten, no, 11, 11, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Whales of the world, episode Whales 11, world. but just to kind of give a background about these, these guys, cause we're kind of jumping into it. This population of killer whales was found, you know, relatively recently. They've been out there a lot longer, of course. They've, you know, who knows how long. Um, but as a scientific community and and uh, a tourism community, uh, we've really only known about these whales for about 20 or so years. Early 2000s was kind of when, when they were found out there. And tourism started, you know, about... No, what gosh 12 years ago or so 2013 I think was their first first year going out to the canyon specifically looking for the orcas 
And it was, it's naturally charters that yeah, that started, they were the ones that started. They they're the ones that started the the whale watching out here, and really yeah, and really in the southwest as well. Yeah, and and really got into starting to ID and put together ID catalogs and and mm-hmm. figure out who these whales are and what they're eating and and very very scientific based and respectful whale watching. Yeah, it's really really great being out with them. Um, so these killer whales live or at least occupy these waters kind of out on the continental shelf uh, and into the canyon system. And we typically see them kind of right around the thousand meter mark. That's where they tend to patrol. And like you said, Jeff, they're eating a variety of things, but primarily we, we think primarily beaked whales. They have been documented to take uh, blue whales. Yeah. Yep. Twice. At yeah. least it was documented and and documented. I think there was an attack on a humpback. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so very, very diverse diet. Um, yeah. Very different than ours back home where they're, you know, one population is eating specifically mammals and one type is eating almost specifically one one type of fish. These guys are, are less specialized, I guess, in a way they're more generalist, which works out for them. I think in any species, you know, the more specialized you get. They're also very robust. These are affected. big whales. And I wanted April to jump in here because one of the cool things that we're getting to see, uh, you know, Sarah, it was fourth time, my second time, but this is brand new for April and we're kind of watching first impressions, reliving first impressions through through April and would love to hear what's going through your mind this past week when, when this is all brand new and, and not sure what you were expecting and and what you're thinking with with seeing seeing these whales and what's standing out for you? Yeah, first we would never take the J boats out on most of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Not calling that one. Not going out. But the number of times we keep seeing whales, we're we're a hundred percent. Which from here on out is just all bonus. It's just all gravy. It's amazing. And we're going to one specific spot on the map to start the search. And they found them every single day. Within every day, within less than half an hour, every single the, day. The longest day. So we, we've been out for I think eight days so far, and the longest was thirty minutes that it took. But okay. we were just, but we weren't. We were just stopped in one spot, and we were scanning, and it took thirty minutes to find them. But several of the eight days, it, it's been less than five minutes, and they refer to this as the hot spot. Yeah, and it's and, and we've talked about this when we're up at the in the wheelhouse and looking at the. GPS tracks of the boat and, and you've got this just thick. it's just a solid thick rectangle yeah. it's been filled in by the tracks never being erased over and over and over that's where you go yeah. that's we don't do that at home so that's crazy and then to see them spread so much there are all of these different groups and one minute we're with members of one group and 10 or 20 minutes later there's another group and it's not always the entire group, but it's so fascinating to see that, you know, within five or 10 minutes, you've, you've been looking at a specific group and now, oh, it's another group. And then, I don't know, it's just, it's just amazing. That's a really cool observation that I think I've been taking for granted. I haven't really thought about that because at home when we're watching a group of whales, it's like, oh, okay, they're down on a dive for three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and then they come up. And we go to where they are and it's the same group. But here you can watch a group and you're with them for half an hour and then they go on one of their five or six minute dives. And you the one one key difference, this the whales down here are very zigzaggy. Like we think ours are and they're not. These are these whales will do long dives, they'll go down five, eight minutes, and they come up and sometimes they're right where you left them, other times they're half a mile away. And so on some of these long dives, they come up and they're like, oh, half a mile at two o'clock and you go out and they're completely different whales than you've been watching. It's like, oh, this is so-and-so's group. Over the course of doing this, you can end up seeing 20 or 30 different whales in different groups. And we, we that's so different from, that's a great observation because it's so different from what we get at all. And I get this question a lot here and actually back home is like, what? well, what are the big differences you're seeing? And that's one of the things I talk about is like, Back home, when we're with a group of whales, we don't necessarily expect that there's going to be another group of whales within their earshot, right? And here it is like 
you know, there we could be with a group of whales and never see other whales until the hunt is on, and then suddenly then you, then you're you, you're ever, looking out and seeing whales surging in from, from all around all, you all over. that were obviously not that far off, but we never saw them. Well, yeah. and it's interesting. Like at home, if there are if there is another group of whales nearby, they're going to come mo- more often than not. They come and everybody gets excited and they're getting together. And here it's like. Oh yeah, that group's over there. That group's over there. They're just—it's. They're patrolling until it's time to eat. Yeah. And then when that dinner bell rings, everyone come in. Insane. It is. It is, and we're going to talk about some some stories about some of the predations we've seen and what it's like here and how different it is. But it is it one of the other um, differences. uh, And April, you've been talking a lot about this on the boat this week. The whales that we see at home, the, the studies and ID catalogs go back to the 1970s, some earlier. And we don't have that kind of history here. So a lot of the whales, especially the adult whales here, like we don't know how these different groups are related, if they're related. I mean, they're obviously same population, but we don't know if we're dealing with a large pod with multiple match lines. Uh, we don't know a lot of their relationships with each other, even within a group. We don't we don't have that same matrilineal uh, definitiveness that we have with with our groups at home which makes it interesting I think that's what makes it really cool too like we're so used to having a population that we know so much about that basically the foundation of like what we as like a whole whale community know about killer whales has kind of originated from the populations northern residents southern residents and our bigs killer whales back home and you know now that we're kind of branching out and like looking at Norwegian killer whales and Icelandic killer whales and, you know, killer whales in South Africa and around the globe, we're kind of having to like branch out from that original box that we created of knowledge about killer whales. And these guys are just continuing to expand beyond what we thought we knew. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that, you know, I'm realizing I've got to throw it all out the window because that's such a human trait. We want to put everything in a box label it and that's what it is there's not the history here to say oh yeah this is that matriline this is the other matriline so they get called groups for now until and how are you going to pick up poop samples out in that water <laughs> that's yeah this is not really conducive for uh yeah i mean you'll lose the the poop symphic dog will, 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 you'll lose it over the bow you'll lose the person like who's trying to collect the poop too yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean it, it is really interesting like just even the culture uh, one of the things that I've noticed, I don't think I really picked this up the first time I was here. This is, so this will be my second time. First impression is we're seeing a lot of adult males, but like different groups, you're not seeing groups that have a lot of adult males in those groups. Um, it seems like each group has one, maybe two. And it's just, it's interesting. I think there's a question in my mind is, is there a cultural difference with adult males and how they fit into the social construct of this culture? You, I, I don't think you can make that leap yet. You can't, you can't rule one out and say it's the other because we have seen it on two different days where two males from different groups were together in the mix right. and which is beautiful to see. It's, and it's incredible, cool. but it's just, it's a question, right? Yeah. Like what are the. it's too early to know on some of these things like what are the cultural differences uh, between the whales that we're more familiar with and and these whales yeah and is it a reflection on um, the health of the population is it a reflection on anything we don't know and this does seem like a very healthy population I think Sarah you you mentioned there are around thought to be around 300 in this unique population however I'd love for you to talk about this. There was a new calf that that was like five months old, but first documented this this week. And something that's so like would never happen with the whales that that we see every day, but something that does happen, I think, season over season, uh, we got to see some new whales in this population that have never been documented this week. Yeah. Yep. So January fourth, um, we were out <laughs> in the water and. I mean, first off, found the new calf, and that was amazing. Um, probably about five to six months old, so not like fresh, but definitely one that was not seen last season. 
And with those whales were some ones that I had never seen before. And um, Machi, who's also been out here for seven years and knows these whales like the back of her hand, wasn't on the on board that day. Um, but we saw these two females that popped up next to the boat and they were just whales. Obviously, I had never one had a very obvious notch in her fin. And then the other had an open saddle. And I was like, well, I definitely would have remembered seeing an adult female with an open saddle uh, or any open saddle in this population. It was just no- nothing I had ever seen before. That's a, that's really interesting, the, the open saddle. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the calf again. And luckily, you guys were on board that day. It was just a few days later. And those whales were, again, right with this other group that we know, Nani's group or Alki's group depending on who you call it after. And there were four new whales, so an adult male and we believe three females or juvenile males. We, you know, one potentially a juvenile male, we can't tell though. And very very interesting whales, but yeah, brand new adult whales in the population never to our knowledge been documented before. And that's it's so fascinating and I do want April look like she wanted to jump in here and I want her to talk, but I also want to make sure that we back up a little bit and explain the the open and closed saddle and why it's really interesting to see an open saddle. On yeah, that's these. what I was going to jump to is how can you only have, you've got a brand new individual, she's got an open saddle patch, there are no others that have been documented? Not in, in this population, I don't think. I think... It's Sarah. Southern residents, Northern residents. I think Japan, the Russian and yeah. Japan killer whales. Yeah. I mean, open saddles we see throughout different ecotypes. So in Antarctica, I believe there's whales that have been seen with open saddle patches. And, you know, there's some thought that potentially the Bremer orcas came from uh, an Antarctic population. So it's not far-fetched that there would be open saddles and... Um, but definitely we see some huge saddles that look very, very reminiscent of the Biggs killer whales back home. Uh, these huge, large, gray, closed saddle patches. But there's also, just like some of the some of the younger whales that we're seeing back home and some of the adult whales we're seeing in the Biggs population back home, they have almost that shadow, kind of looks like an open saddle. But these were not just shadows these were definitely open so open. and we'll, we'll post some photos um, in the in the show notes yeah to my knowledge they've never been documented before in this population but that's i mean my knowledge is quite limited on um this so there could be other whales out there that have been seen with open saddles there's a few females that have that kind of like faint shadow that look open um in the population but yeah and funnily enough it's in in the group that this these whales were associating with so the other thing I'll add, and this will be my like the last part of my first impressions, but and April and I have been talking a lot about this on the on the boat when we're we're seeing them. They have really cool dorsal fin shapes and different like styles of notches and nicks in their dorsal and their eye patches. I love their eye patches. You, Coo- coolest you've got I've ever seen. Shapes from there are a couple that are kind of almost what I would say generic, just a kind of a a comet shape, but. So many of them, they have these jagged edges at the leading edge, and it looks like you're supposed to plug it into something. Yeah, or it's, it's shaped like, a, like a bird. Yeah, yeah. There's one that looks to me like a like a rubber ducky. <laughs> um, but my favorite, there is an eye patch, and I can't remember who it is, but it is. It's a bowling pin. Oh yeah, that's smudge. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, that is the coolest eye patch I've ever seen. It is cool, but it's just on the one side. Yeah, the other side is, you know. But these are wicked cool eye patches and dorsal fins. The the yeah. notches and nicks that yeah. they have in their dorsals are and they're really robust. Wild. Yeah, I love that word. Well, they they are round. They're <laughs> like these are whales that are filled out. Yeah, the way I've been describing it too, because of what we've seen in the hunting, and we should start talking about. I'd like to talk about some of the stories of things that we, we are seeing and experiencing. But to me, these killer whales are the apex of apex predators. Yeah, when you've got a group of whales that have no problem harassing with the intent of taking down a humpback and can actually take down blue whales and take food away from sperm whales. Yeah. Does it get any better? Yeah. And and we have seen, you know, multiple predations this this week. We've seen a lot of a lot of days where it's just very slow travel 
and uh, we have seen some some play in, in like we said, the, the water is big. One of the cool things that we've seen that is also different from from the whales that we we see at home. We we see a lot of surfing here. Yeah, it's beautiful. The water is so blue and clear, and you see them coming up and over the the wave, and then they just race down into the trough in front of the boat, under the boat, whatever, and line up to do it again practically. Right. It's like they're going back back to the top of the hill. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes they'll stop at the boat and turn on their side and, and stop and just look up, inter- interact or curious. Uh, sometimes there's a the crew puts in a GoPro in, in the water, and it's almost like the whales are, are, are posing for photos. Yeah, they're super curious for sure. We... You know, see that year to year, and a lot of times it's the younger animals, but it's the adult animals as well. Um, the adult whales will come over and roll over and look at the boat or at the people on the boat. You know, for those of you that have been out, you know, on the boat with me, I, I do say this quite a bit back home is, you know, when a deer sees you driving in a car, they just think of the car as the creature. You know, they don't realize that there's a person inside the car. <laughs> um, and when a whale looks at you on a boat i think that they know that there are people on a boat like the boat is the object and there are people on it i mean there's there's no question when you're seeing seeing it uh out there and and the water's really clear out here blue and clear and great visibility and you can see them turn on their side right uh, by the hull of the boat and they're looking up at at people i think what sarah needs to do next is start recording how many what days Machi is out there and how many times they line up <laughs> at the back of the boat for their their Yearbook shots photo. right <laughs> yeah because i would love to know if there's any correlation she's been out here for seven years do they recognize her and they recognize that big stick with a little box on it right it's it's fascinating if you want to see some of these follow naturally's charters on instagram and facebook and we'll, we'll post links to their social media and to their website but they post incredible stuff from down here it really is just amazing and they do such a great job they yeah we talk about this on our boats a lot the whales are always in charge of every encounter and you have that feel with naturally's charters as well they're very respectful of the whales and the whales dictate what we do when we're watching right and i think like for a lot of people that have followed what's going on down here in the bremer canyon a a lot of the things that stick out to them are these curious whales that are you know potentially interacting with the boat and just to be very very clear like you can't force an interaction with with a a wild killer whale (laughs) um uh so naturally charters is amazing they're highly highly ethical very very skilled and knowledgeable and we wouldn't be out there if they weren't but definitely they approach respectfully and if the whales want to engage and they want to be curious about the boat then they're the ones that are coming to to the boat i want to get into some of the some of the predations and some of the the behaviors that we're seeing uh with that but before we do uh, Sarah, any um, any fir- first impressions of your fourth time, <laughs> your fourth first impressions that that stand out to you that you may maybe knew that you didn't have your pri- previous three uh, times down here. I I don't know that there's any like one standout encounter. Um, I just think that like for me, after being down here quite a bit for myself uh that i any any encounter any time i'm out on the water and get to go out to the canyon and see these whales i'm learning something from them like even if it's just observing who they're with that day what what individuals are present how they're interacting with each other how they're interacting with the environment that they're in um i'm lear- if i'm open to it i'm learning something and that's just really cool as it kind of deepens this like foundation of knowledge that we all have because that's how it should be like we should all be sharing kind of this information and data and what we're seeing and and learning about these whales because it's going to benefit us and it's also going to benefit the whales and uh, protecting them in this ecosystem that they're relying on um, and not just the killer whales but the beaked whales the sperm whales pilot whales etc cetera, etc cetera, fish and and everything so you know no one thing but just everything right and it, it's part of the discovery and study and sharing information and 
and whale watching around these whales that has given them a protected area down here with those canyons. And I think it's, it's relatively newly protected, but the protection is really based on preventing resource extraction mm-hmm. yep. and, and oil exploration, which... So it's believed that there's some underwater oil de- oil and gas um, deposits deep under the seafloor. So uh, there's some potential leaks of uh, methane and that kind of thing that's creating this really abundant like life down very, very deep in these canyons. And then this you know kind of cold nutrient water is coming through and pulling up those nutrients and feeding the upper layers of the... Of the water. And it is, uh, you have to, there are two two permitted whale watching companies to go mm-hmm. out there. And if you don't have a commercial whale watch permit, you can go out there, but you can't stop to view whales. And I mean, you, you've got to be brave to if you have a small <laughs> yeah. recreational yeah. boat. And we did, we did see we one did out see there. Out and there it's and like, whoa, how did this dude get out there? It was a calmer his, day, but it was not calm. Right. And he's on there like his 26 foot single outboard and it's like it's like dude what are you doing yeah 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 not nothing i would ever ever like take a single motor no (laughs) i want to talk about some of the cool stuff that we've seen i mean one of the things that stands out in, in in your um in the context of what you were just saying one of the things i think that killer whales are always teaching us is patience definitely you get what you get with them you also know that if you wait long enough and you and they allow you to hang long enough, uh, you're going to get something special. You never know exactly what that is. But we've had some days out here where they're doing five to nine minute dives. They're very zigzaggy. Sometimes they, they come up, they're over half a mile away. Sometimes they come up, they're 100 yards away and just constantly doubling back changing directions you just never really know and one of the interesting things is when they do go down like you just stop the boat you don't go anywhere because you don't know if they're going to double back right. and come up close or they're coming up half a mile away which so, is so different from how we're used to it right we we like maintain course and speed mm-hmm. and here it it is like you just have no idea but then you ride that out and then um, on the predations that we've seen it's like Bam. It's like a light switch. It is. It 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 changes on a dime. Yeah. They hear their prey coming up, I'm imagining, and it's on. It's just on. But the other difference here is we're looking at a big, wide open ocean, right? Right. We're out in the open ocean. We're not in these small channels and straits that we can pretty much guess, yeah, they're headed in this direction. So yeah, we're going to keep going in that direction. Right. Here it's 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 oh, I mean, you have the water. canyons underwater, but like there's no It's like you said they're not in a channel or or between islands. I mean, it's they can go in any direction, but yeah, when things change on a dime and and I think you mentioned this April that it's probably that they're hearing so if, assuming they're going after beaked whales, which some species can hold their breath for 4 hours and they may be hearing them on their way to the surface to get a breath from who knows how far away miles Mm -hmm. and it's on they start what we would call this at home with our whales we would say oh they're porpoising but it's not (laughs) here they call it surging not not descriptive enough right here it's not because it's um and it really is different even though there's some similarities to what we see with porpoising whales here they call it surging. Well, I think this is a good time to like get into the surge of two days ago. The yeah. surge. Oh, this was one of the most incredible whale watching experience I, I I've ever had. It was it was a rough day. Yeah, uh, it was big big swells. I don't know what three meters, two and yeah, a half three I would meters. Say two, yeah, two meters with some chop on top. With some chop on top and a pretty stiff breeze. Yeah, bad and day to forget my coat. And we were, we, yeah, you forgot your coat. And we were, we were just tracking with, we had bounced around a few different groups throughout the, the day, just to slow travel, uh, long dives, sometimes going up, upwind into the waves, sometimes going downwind with the waves. Yeah. We got some cool like interactions too. Like honestly, the um, right kind of very soon before the surge started, the whales were 
you know, making some close passes to the boat. There was, you know, a couple spy hops. They were generally kind of like in this social mood. Yeah, they, there were some swimming like pretty close to the hull and stopping and turning on their side and looking up. Then the surge started. I went down to write on my data sheet and then I felt the motors rev up. Yeah, and so what you've got here, now now we can see different groups. Like this is the first time all day where it's like, okay, we can see the different groups that we've been with and they're, they're spread out, but they're in, in groups and they are traveling at high speed, 20 knots. Yeah, we were doing over 20 knots for, man, I think the chase was five miles. Yeah, and they th- so they were chasing a beaked whale and basically chased it up onto the continental shelf, which is still deep water. Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting because usually we're in, you know, about a thousand meters or deeper. We don't usually get up onto the shelf. Um, but while we were with them before the surge had started, sorry to interrupt, Jeff, you know, they kind of took this track up towards the shelf which is not something we see very often you know they were in a thousand meters of water and then they were in like 700 meters of water and we were kind of like oh what's going on here and then they were in like 500 meters of water and then they were in 400 meters of water and that's when the surge started i think they were yeah i think they were following something interesting that this beaked whale kind of like went up onto the shelf yeah maybe in an attempt to get away from them i don't know but probably not the best idea no and then, so we're now going into the into the waves. They are grace. <laughs> they are so graceful and so powerful. And we're gonna post photos. We've also April, Sarah, and I have also been posting on our Facebook and Instagram pages of photos from from this day from the surge because it was just incredible to see their power. And because like Sarah said, over twenty knots, they're yeah, moving. Yeah. And like we're we're editing photos and, and we keep talking about the patterns of the water that's coming off the whales as they're plowing into the waves. But plowing is really not they're graceful and powerful. We're the we're we're not plowing, we're pounding. Yeah, into we were the, pounding into, into the waves. You ended up outside. April and I Sarah's downstairs. April and I were in the wheelhouse and I saw there was one group ahead of us that was surging like in this big group and I wanted to get a photo of them, but it was really tough because all you could see were blows coming from below the swell ahead of us. But then there were several, there were a few females and juveniles and a big male that were actually working their way in towards the boat as they were surging and they were behind us and they were coming up, gaining speed on us. And I, I wanted to get, see if I could get some photos. So I, I went outside, which worked out for photos I'll, I'll just i'll say that it worked out from that aspect so what happened to you while uh, you were down on the first level deck sarah what was your observation <laughs> <laughs> well um yeah i came out of the cabin because i'd been recording data and i was gonna head upstairs and i felt the bow lift up as we went into uh, this swell and then start its very fast descent and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and then all this water just came over the top of the boat and uh, down through the stairwell. So, you know, great call on my part not to go upstairs at that moment. And Jeff, how was that on the top deck for you? So you only saw half the water that actually worked its way down the stairwell because the other half of the water ended up... was all over Jeff. It it ended up (laughs) pouring down onto my head. Uh, in along my sweatshirt and a very large amount all over my jeans. Uh, oh, your jeans were soaked, soaked, soaked. soaked. And uh, there, while this water came very quickly all at once, there was a little standing water around uh, where I was standing. But thank, thank God for the water that I was wearing my running shoes that day that were very good at absorbing <laughs> the water and I had some cotton socks to soak up. So you were well up some moisturized, I, hydrated. I, I no was, less. I was. And I ended up in just totally soaked for the next four to five hours until we got back. I mean, there's nothing you can do. No, but your photos were worth it. The photos were worth it. And, and until the, we got back and you found your dry pants in your bag. Yeah. I didn't, didn't realize that I, when we got back and I was looking for a dry pair of pants and I was like, oh, my God, they're in my backpack. I, they, I had them the whole time. Had them the whole time. The whole time. But the photos were worth it. And just even taking it in for miles. And we're pounding into these waves. And the whales are just flying. Flying. 
and and the little kiddos in the I posted a couple but the youngsters they're just leaping it looks like these beautiful dolphin leaps so graceful and yeah we are pounding into the waves and like Sarah said you'd feel a, a little bit of a concussion and then the bow would lift up and drop down and and two, oh, how fun. Oh, it's incredible. And two really cool um, things from, from seeing this. One is, as I mentioned earlier, the water clarity is really cool. So we had a male in his late teens. Uh, his name is Nibbles. He was the one who came in closest to the boat. It was almost like he was using the boat to uh, help him gain some speed, like he was in the slipstream. And so you could see, being upstairs, you could see him flying underwater and you could you knew when he was coming up if you could maintain your balance and depending what the boat was doing where it was yeah, in the swell you could get yeah it's some, kind of some it's good kind shots. of hard to keep a hand for the boat when you've got a yes. big ass camera in your it's exa- hands and exa- you're trying to shoot photos or even exactly video. Yeah. exactly but it was so cool to see him uh, i mean you could see before he was coming up you could see his exhale and all the oh, bubbles so coming in, in this bubble trail before he broke the surface. Yeah, you'll have to check out some of Jeff's photos. There's There are these circular patterns of the water flying off of his skin and his dorsal fin. It, it's just cool. And it's, it's easy to overlook stuff like that. But when you stop and look at it and it's like this is a result of them blasting through the water and the power that they have. It's just it is remarkable. Eventually, the group that was up ahead, and I never got a good picture of them. The only thing I got were blows that were on the other side, on the other side of the swell, so you couldn't even yeah, see Yeah, it was them. a lot of the females. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were the ones that were first on scene with the beaked whale, and mm-hmm. we knew something was going on, and, and you two were, at this point, I was, I, was, I was soaked. I was starting to get really cold, and I knew I got a bunch of shots, so I... I my attention was, was fading a little bit, <laughs> but I knew something had changed because the big group up ahead had stopped and they were now facing back towards the boat. And so we slowed and you two, so the boat slowed. So we don't have water coming, coming at us. And then you two jumped outside and you guys were dialed in on, on what happened next. Oh, we were outside. You had just shielded us from most of the water <laughs> at that point. So thank you for your, I'm, I'm here to help. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, we, we were with, you know, nibbles and some of the kids that were, behind and april you were further up towards the bow than i was so you might have had some better views than i did but uh yeah the females finished that beach whale off before we got there like i mean it was right before we got there but it was yeah over very very quickly so we got there and and the whales were you know had a huge oil slick and big blood bubbles coming huge, up and huge oil slick. Um, they made quick quick work of what we think was probably a, a graze beaked whale so one of the crew or several of them were telling me that they think or they've observed that those killer whales go in for the jugular and it creates this this opportunity for them to get the whale to bleed out much more quickly and it dies faster. I haven't seen the kill often enough to say anything about their strategy, right? Um, well, I, I'll, I'll just jump in on, on this quickly is one of the things that they have said to us uh, that the crew at Natural East Charters has said to us is... A lot of these predations happen because these are such deep, uh, the, the beaked whales are such deep water whales, that a lot of these predations happen pretty deep and they know yeah. some, they know there's a predation that happened because they see this big slick and all the birds come in and they can see prey sharing, but it's pretty rare that they actually see the the, the whale before it's, it's... Oh yeah, very, very rare. Yeah. Or, and and we've, we've had that twice this week. Um, including this this time, and we didn't see like the entire whale like we did on the first predation we'll talk about, but we did see more. Like we knew it was a beaked whale. We we did see the beak. And, yeah. And I and the reason I was bringing this up is I I like that theory because in both predations where we did see the animal, the graphic, but both of those times there was a lot of blood in the water like way very different from what we see we don't see a lot of blood in the water and we do see the animal almost every time there's a predation at home here i think when you do see it like there's a lot of blood in the water that you see yeah but i think like part of that is the clarity of the water like we don't see the True. blood because the the water is so murky it's where we dark. are it's dark 
Um, and like, unless it's right at the moment of the kill, like we've seen twice where it's bright red and it's up at the surface, like it diffuses pretty quickly. And if you don't know what you're looking at, you're not going right. to know that it's blood because it looks kind of yellow, like brown. So I, I, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I just I haven't observed the the moment of the kill enough to say like what they're what they're going for like where if there's a specific part of the body that they're aiming for or what like there's going to be a lot of blood regardless of where you tear into a beaked whale you know that killing blow where wherever it may be at this point i'm i'm kind of watching i wasn't taking photos as much but in addition to the oil slick and the blood what 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 else did you guys see well pretty much all of the internal organs the rib cage it was interesting. Is it Akama, one of the females? So she ended up basically on top of that rib cage with the inflated um, lungs. They were and, those were big, big lungs. Oh yeah, and they were inflated, yeah. so they were yeah. at, at well, the surface. Well, for a creature that dives what four thousand feet, you got to have some big lungs yeah, to get down four, there for back. four hours. Yeah, crazy. And it appeared like she was holding that because the the shearwaters and the albatross had landed on some other stuff, which I'll get to. But she ended up with the lungs and that carcass. So I think she was holding that for kiddos and and other group members underneath. And they were feeding. And you could, again, that clarity of water, you could see the white from the other killer whales under, under her. Yeah. It was wicked. Incredible. And then they finally, she finally pushed it down. And shortly after... Bubble blast. Yeah, po- I, I, popped. I'm popped the thinking, lungs. That's what I'm thinking too. Is kind of like those packing bubbles. You love to pop them, right? Don't or who waste doesn't them. like it? Right. If you got balloons, you got to pop them. <laughs> um, obviously, this is our interpretation, but it really did feel like I watched her pull down the lungs, and then they came back up, and she pulled them down again, and then you saw this, this huge yeah. blast of bubbles, and I was yeah. like, oh, they popped the lungs. Yeah, it was it was very interesting to watch all of that take place. It's also really interesting when you can see evidence of them underwater because you rarely see that yeah in the sailor sea yeah it's really yeah. really it's very cool to see yeah um, you definitely and then see over by more. the albatross i think it was a shy albatross there was another big hunk of red and so i started focusing on that and when i looked at the photos later i'm asking people is this a brain no sarah is this a brain i made sarah come over and look but uh, what was the consensus well, I think it was Kyle on the roof that had the best view, um, but it definitely, yeah, was the head of the beaked whale and likely the brain. It looked yeah. like a brain to me. Yeah, April got the brain shot, and I think uh, Jenna at Natural East Charters who said that as far as she knows, nobody's ever gotten a brain shot before. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, they do like to carry the head around. I have seen that on multiple occasions, but yeah, I've never seen a brain. Well, and, and speaking of that, we did see that on a, a predation earlier in the week where we saw one of the juveniles... And on um, this one too. And after, on this one, after after that, they did grab it and yeah, and kind of paraded yeah. around and lifted out of the water. Yeah, pretty pretty incredible. And and it's it's sometimes hard to find words for to describe these whales. And and it's like I said, they're the apex of apex predators. Yeah, we we did we were out there one day. I think it was your second day on the water with the where they lifted the cer- it yeah 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 with that one and then there was i think the following day we saw somewhere between 40 and 50 orcas and we had four rapid fire predations and on those predations we couldn't see we didn't what, see anything we didn't yep. see anything of what they were taking but you could see the the oil slick after a big surge mm-hmm. and then they were prey sharing for a little bit and then they surged again and mm-hmm. we, it was like four consecutive predations yeah, and different groups of whales with each one. It was, yeah. Yeah, and then we did see them one day. We didn't, the one, I think the only day that we didn't have a predation, uh, we saw them fishing on juvenile bluefin tuna, uh, which is very different behavior. That behavior reminded me more of watching uh, the southern residents when they're fishing and they're, the whales are all in like ones and twos doing long dives, different directions. Uh, but at one point, April, I pointed this out to you that there was a huge group of juvenile bluefin tuna breaking the surface. Yeah, they were they were really small and they were really fast. So nobody got a shot of them. 
But yeah, I'd say they were just getting out of Dodge. It was yeah. not a good place to be for them. Yeah. Yeah. Just really neat. And such a difference. The last time I was here, I, I mean, I only went out on the water three times, but I didn't see any predation uh, the last time I was I was here. Well, by and the second day like, when we had that, the first predation that we saw where they're, you know, holding the head up, it's like, I'm spoiled now. <laughs> right. Right. It's like everything else is like, what else are we going to get? Because yeah. it's, it's really incredible to have this many uh, visible predations in such a short period of time. And we're here for the rest of the month. So who knows what else we're definitely going to do uh, more episodes talking about this. Um, hopefully we're going to possibly get somebody from Naturally's Charters to join us uh, on an episode and talk about what we're seeing out there and, and share more information about these whales. And uh, is there anything you would want to see? Like if you could see. Well, one of the things that I saw last time I was here and, you know, they talk about how it's it's kind of rare to see, but it does happen are um, really like surface active social whales. Yeah, it is pretty rare. Yeah. Um, but th- I would like to see that because they because it, you had that your first time out. And <laughs> but it's it's real. But it's really special to see because. They are. I um, want it too. Yeah, and and they're in that regard. They're similar to what we see at home when they're when the whales that we see are very social and surface active. These are very similar in that way, and it it gets to show a different side of them than the apex of apex predator, right? Like it's, right. it's like you get to see their soft side and their emotional side, um, and I, I'd like to to see that yeah. firsthand again. Other than that, um, you know, this week I got to see my first ever false killer whales, got to see my first ever long fin pilot whales, but that was so brief because we were following a group of killer whales on a surge and we passed by a group of pilot whales and it's like, oh, there are pilot whales over there, but we got to go. Yeah. Uh, get a good look because we're not staying. And they are so freaking cool looking. I would love to have another encounter and uh, an extended encounter to, to see pilot whales. Sarah, are you getting all of this a request? Because I'd like to see a sperm whale. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that too. Um, Sarah, what's on your list? What do you What do you want to see? Uh, I'd like to see anything with a working camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting you're getting a new it camera. Be, on Wednesday. Be Sarah week. has been having camera <laughs> issues. Um, but but I also want to point out and ask you about this, um, Sarah. You're uh, April and I are both here, just kind of as as tagalongs and and a learning opportunity for us. Uh, to be able to share information and stories about a different population of killer whales when we're on our tours at home uh, with our guests. I think the more we learn about other whale populations, the better we can communicate about the whales that we're seeing and about whales in general. But you're here doing some research uh, as well. So I would love for you to talk about what you're doing. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I'm an expert by no means. Um, by but, all means. Nope. Um, but... Yeah, it's my second Sarah's, season Sarah's down very here. And shy, but she is an expert. I'm not. I'm absolutely not. But anyway, down here um, through Orca Behavior Institute and grateful to Naturally's Charters, who has allowed me to come out with them for two seasons now, um, collecting some behavioral data on, on this population. And the methodology we're using is one that we use with the Southern residents, with the bigs back home. We've uh, Monica has used it with the northern residents as well, um, so it's great to be able to do this with uh, you know different population of killer whales, and it's something we can use to compare the two populations or different populations, and then also look at the same population over time. As you know, more more time is done, more observations are made, and it's pretty pretty basic. Um, the things that I'm recording, you know, how how tight are the whales? swimming to each other um are they directional are they non-directional um how fast are they going any other behaviors that we're noting um just trying to like create kind of these snapshots of what's happening so we can kind of compare you know as things change uh whether it's looking at other populations and comparing the two or or looking at how their behaviors change as prey availability maybe shifts as climate change you know climates change is um Anything, any other, any other potential factors that are, are shifting. It must be interesting taking this data 
um, compared with taking this same kind of data back with in the Pacific Northwest with the populations that we see, I mean, you must notice some very stark differences in what you're recording. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to like kind of analyze this year and look at the difference between last year's and this year's because I think there will be some differences in looking at how it uh, compares to the bigs and the southern residents but I think in general like they're less surface active Um, we see fewer surface behaviors like breaching and spy hopping and tail slapping and that kind of thing Um, which is really to me and anecdotal at best but just my theory is that because they're pursuing these large intelligent beaked whales uh they have to be as inconspicuous as possible and especially when they're having to travel in potentially larger groups to take down a larger prey item you know until that meal is secured they're you know being pretty inconspicuous so um, that's one of the big differences yeah until until the surge until the surge and then it's then it's then game on game on um, you're also here, uh, you were interviewed for an article um, by Australian ABC News um, as an expert. Not an expert. <laughs> and we'll post a link to the article. Yeah, really cool. Just a little quick um, interview with ABC Australia, just talking about what we're seeing out there. So it was amazing to me that we even got 5G out at the hotspot. Impressive all the way around. But uh, yeah, just how these whales are looking, what we're what we've been seeing for the first week of the season, and you know what we're expecting with the population. How is it? How is it looking? Are the calves? Are there are there calves? Are they coming back? Um, it's looking like a pretty healthy population overall. They're, as you said, pretty beefy whales. Definitely beefy whales. So that's good. You know, where there's prey um, available, the population, you know, is healthy. Calves survive. And that's why we need to continue that. I don't think this is getting picked up by the mics, but uh, we have a raven outside. Yeah, I was a little distracted. (laughs) Yeah. One one of the cool things about being here, too, the birds down here are not just off on the canyons with the albatross and the the waterbirds. But the the birds on shore um, are incredible, and even ravens. If if you, if that didn't show up, I'm going to post a, a rec- an audio oh, recording in the show notes. Yeah. the ravens here sound very different than the ravens uh, that that we have. They at sound home. much more like they're actually trying to talk to us. Yeah, it's, and it it's, sounds it's, like we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they're they're definitely complaining. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll I'll definitely uh, post uh, an audio recording because. Uh, it's it's pretty entertaining. Uh, you can't hear them without is, laughing. But great birding down here, and you know it is a long trek to get here, and a long trek even offshore just to get to the whales. But if you're interested in ever coming down here, the season runs December through April here, and then uh, Naturally's Charters runs uh, other tours during uh, the rest of the year, mostly with humpbacks and some blues. Uh, they're, from, they're from other great locations, crew. great company, great crew, really knowledgeable. Yeah, excellent. With biologists and photographers, it's excellent, excellent crew. We are gonna um, kind of at our at our time now, but we are gonna do another episode because who knows what else we're gonna see out here, and we want to share more information about this really unique, special, and awe-inspiring population of of, of killer whales. Who knows what else we're going to see and what other encounters we're going to have. If you are enjoying these episodes, we'd love it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. uh, Leave us a review. If you have any questions or comments or topic suggestions, you can email us at afterthebreachpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website, afterthebreachpodcast.com. You mentioned we'll, we'll be doing more of these episodes before we head back home for our season. Um, but yeah, if you guys are interested, if you have any questions about what we're seeing down here uh, about specific whales or anything we've, we've covered, uh, definitely let us know. And, uh, we do have some upcoming trips going on. We have our photo workshop in August, uh, that has a few seats left available. Um, we have a really exciting humpback trip to the Dominican Republic, the silver bank, which we've talked about on previous episodes, um, that will be in 2025 february of 2025. and i think we have one or two seats left so if you're interested at all reach out um we'd love to to have you on board and if it doesn't work out this time well we will be likely doing, be doing that again yeah. 
And uh, if you're coming out or want to come out with us on the water this season to see killer whales and or humpback whales in the Salish Sea, uh, we'll be running starting March. We'll be running daily yeah, uh, through uh, and into November. Uh, we'll have half day tours and some all day tours as we get into the fall. And uh, with Maya's Legacy Whale Watching out of Friday Harbor, if you're coming out with us, make sure you let us know that you listen to the podcast. We yeah, love we to, love to meet you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And we will talk soon. And in the meantime, stay safe out there.